Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly. We have another live show coming up on Monday, November 12th at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Ryan Russillo and the ringers Kevin Clark and Robert Mays are doing a live dual threat ringer NFL show crossover. They'll be breaking down week 10 of the NFL and covering the major storylines from around the league. For more info and links to tickets, check out the ringers Twitter and Instagram. David, we're going to talk about the standoff between the White House and CNN's Jim Acosta. But what I want to know is, what should we name this scandal? Needs a name, right? Ooh, yeah. I'm trying to think that, like, I'm, I'm, I was trying to think of good, like a good Rumble in the Jungle style, like boxing name for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think like the tu- the tussle and the tussle and press pool don't really rhyme well enough. Maybe. I think I think the scrum and the scrum is a little bit just too too uh, on the nose, but um, obviously with these things we go to Watergate, right? With all of these things, so like Acosta Gate is mm. is a little bit boring. Maybe uh, maybe Chopper Gate. It's or it, no. it, it hits the beat a little bit better. There's the whole the whole kung fu karate chopper thing. Um, I don't know. Do you have any good ideas for this? I just wonder if we're overthinking this slightly. Isn't the right answer the acostrophe? <laughs> All right, that's a winner. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're done here. All yeah, right. we're always overthinking this slightly. This is this is the press box. Let's just uh, yeah. Let's just start it. We are the hard pass of media podcasts. This is the press box, <laughs> a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. The press box is the media podcast where you're allowed to be distracted from the really important news about the firing of Jeff Sessions. That's that's what we're here for. That's our job. Yes. We are Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of The Ringer. And we wanted to come back today and fire off a bonus episode about the incredible contratemps between CNN's Jim Acosta and the White House, which has now falsely accused him of manhandling a White House intern, has <laughs> distributed a obviously, pretty obviously doctored video and has taken away his hard pass to the White House. We're going to get to the press freedom part of this discussion in a second, David. But how many times did you laugh when you learned the White House credential is called a hard pass? <laughs> I was just saying that this morning, um, not in Slack for the record. Uh, I thought, but yeah, I thought that was that was the funniest thing. The hard pass is the. Hard, I mean, I guess the as it was explained to me, if you're there for like, if you get a day pass, it's just a piece of paper, and if you have a permanent pass, it's laminated and therefore hard. <laughs> Um, but regardless, uh, I wish I think a lot of people listening to this wish they could have you know taken a hard pass on this whole subject. Yeah, so, so that's what a great thing to devote a whole podcast to. Uh, we're gonna hit the Acosta. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the possible distraction that is it. How the press should respond to it. We're gonna also talk about the question asked in that very long and quite bonkers ninety minute Trump press conference on Wednesday by Yamish Alexander of PBS. Then we're also going to hit a few election topics. We're going to talk about the people surrounding Tucker Carlson's house. We'll talk about the convenient disappearance of the migrant caravan, which was the most important issue in the world before the election and seems not to be on the radar at all after it. Uh, we'll talk about Trump's new acting attorney general and also Nate Silver. Any any election is not complete until we have the Nate Silver recriminations portion of the event, which is, I believe, happening right now between Nate Silver and Brett Stevens. So we'll talk about that, too, David. But let's start with Jim Acosta. Here are the facts. The day after the election, Trump, who was clearly fed up with people talking about Jackie Rosen and Steve Kornacki, held a freewheeling 90-minute press conference at the White House. He called on his bete noir, Jim Acosta of CNN, and here is the end of their very tempestuous exchange. I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much if better. I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question. Mr. President, if I may, if I may right, ask Peter, one other ahead. question, are you worried? That's enough. That's Mr. enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I was enough. going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. Excuse President, me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if go. I may ask, on, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with the Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? So you heard Acosta in the middle of that say, pardon me, ma'am. That was him responding to a White House intern who was trying to grab back the microphone he was holding. And Acosta was playing keep away with it. Remember that because that's going to be important later in the story. Mm-hmm. But first, let's hear the following exchange from the press conference, which is between Trump and Peter Alexander of NBC. 
In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts. Well, his I'm not a big fan of, of yours either. So I you understand. Know, to be honest. So let, me, so let me ask you a question, if I can. You repeatedly you said are, you are the best, Mr. President. You repeatedly over the course. Okay, of the, just sit down, please. Well, when you when you report fake news, no. When you report fake news, which CNN does a lot, you are the enemy of the people. Go ahead. Mr. President, over the course. <laughs> so that muffled sound you heard there was Acosta now standing up and trying to ask a question without a microphone. Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning of it. Um, should we say within what happened next? Which was the. Yeah, we got, we got to go straight there. Let's yeah. keep going. On set on Thursday. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders tweeted, we will never tolerate a reporter placing his hands on a young woman just trying to do her job as a White House intern. That referring to uh, Acosta trying to keep the mic while the intern tried to take the mic. Uh, Sanders continues, the fact that CNN is proud of the way their employee behaved is not only disgusting, it's an example of their outrageous disregard for everyone, including young women who work in this administration. As a result of today's incident, the White House is suspending the hard pass of the reporter involved until further notice. All right. To this point, David, in the story, Acosta has yet another fiery exchange with Donald Trump. Uh, there is the, <laughs> the disputed grabbing of the microphone, and then the White House turns around and suspends his hard pass. What do you make of that? Man... Big side. There's so much, so much to say. Um, I mean, I guess just to go back through your timeline a little bit, as soon as the press conference was over, and, and, and you know, it's a very minor point, but it should be said that nobody came away from that interaction. Uh, I mean, with, with uh, everybody was, you were obsessed with everything in, that, that came out of that interaction, except the way that Jim Acosta interacted with the intern. I mean, that was on nobody's radar. No. Except... Uh, before Sarah Sanders tweeted it, if you had been on um, the Donald, uh, the subreddit, you would have seen one of the most highly voted stories, as I did, just happened to be right after that, um, that said, the headline was, uh, so we're all just going to pretend Jim Acosta didn't just karate chop a female staffer's arm, and then it linked to the video, which I believe was the same video that Sarah Sanders eventually tweeted, but w which itself was taken from the Twitter account of uh, Paul Joseph Watson, I have that name correct, right? AKA is, at Prison Planet, yes. Right, who is a uh, longtime um, arch-right libertarian, whatever, uh, Twitter presence, also an employee uh, of InfoWars. There you go. Um, and he claims that he took the video, I mean, took, took, took a, an existing GIF online, zoomed in, ran it through some, you know, some uh, whatever online software and that and it just came out in this way that happened to make it look like um, that Jim Acosta was, you know, using some form of defensive martial art on this uh, on the <coughs> White House intern. And then at that point, that was the video that's that Sarah Sanders somehow got her hands on and used to justify the, you know, revoking or suspension of Acosta's hard pass. Um and, tweet, so, and mean, tweeted out herself. And, and tweeted out herself. Distributing it to a much, much bigger or at least much more mainstream audience. There's a couple of points here that, you know, side points that, and, and stop me if I'm getting too far ahead. Um, but one is that, that Trump, even today as we record this, has now threatened that there might be other people who would have their press credentials revoked. Um, which, the, which, makes it very clear that that since no one else uh, is even purported to have put their hands on any White House staffers, that that had nothing to do with Jim Acosta getting his credentials revoked. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was this was a this was a punishment in search of a crime. Right. I mean, and they and they and they they decided to use this wacky video to, you know, or this whatever doctored video to 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 prove it. Yeah. Um, you could also say a controversy in search of a White House correspondent. Exactly. Yeah. And that and that's and that's my second point, which is there were lots of reports that Trump walked into that gaggle or pre the press room that day looking for a fight that he was in a bad mood either because according to various stories, he's he wasn't happy with the election results. Uh, he's worried that his son is about to get indicted by Bob Mueller. 
Uh, there are any number of things, but you know, he, regardless of how many times he told Jim Acosta to sit down, uh, he called on Jim Acosta, who mm-hmm. he clearly doesn't like. I mean, he 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 welcomed that first question, um, you know, and 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 that was on him. So if if he was so determined to to, I mean, that that CNN is fake news and not worthy of a place there, he could have just not called on him and and then let Jim Acosta stand up and talk without a mic, you know, on his own. Um, but going back to the video. You know, if Sarah Sanders on her own on her own saw that video online, whether it was on, you know, on Watson's Twitter, you know, Twitter timeline or, or just, you know, it, it copied copied elsewhere. Even if she saw that video and that skewed her perception of that incident with between Acosta and the staffer. OK, that's that's fine. But even if it's true, the premise is a lie. Right. I mean, they, they kicked him out for asking questions for, or for show or for whatever else, not for karate chopping. And in turn's arm, absolutely. Uh, and and I think that that connection is 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 obvious, but important just to say out loud. I think that's right. I mean, the Acosta Trump symbiotic relationship is fascinating to me because yeah. Trump, if Trump is going to cast the media as the enemy of the American people, which he has done pretty much unceasingly throughout his presidency, and even as we saw in pretty concentrated form during the last week before the midterms, right? That was part of his closing argument is vote for me because the media is your enemy. <laughs> One does yes. not exactly follow the other, but there you go. Um, you can't do that if your adversary is an unsigned editorial in The Economist. You need a kind of figure that you can point at and show video of on Fox News and you know cast as this crazy villain in the minds of your supporters. And here is Jim Acosta, this scenery-chewing, <laughs> uh, confrontational, grandiose CNN correspondent uh, who is perfect for that role in Trump's eyes. So, of course, he's going to call on him. And, of course, he's going to relish the combat he has with him. I, I wonder if just, you know, the whole microphone bit was just a bonus for them. Right. They were there, as you say, expecting to walk into that press conference, change the subject in whatever way, just change the subject, first of all, to have the president of the United States talking for 90 minutes and answering any question in the in the sun. Yeah. Change it by arguing the cost. But then they say, oh, this crazy thing is bubbled up in right wing Internet. So we're going to promote this. And now we have a you know cover for the reason we're revoking his pass to the White House. First of all, just the, the whole karate chop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I think we can we can we can stay for the record. Jim Acosta did not did not manhandle anybody, and uh, and the video. And, no, and and, 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 the, and the the doctoring of the video is one thing, but also the removal of the sound. I mean, if there's no way you can watch that, like I said in real time, nobody watched that and came away aghast at Jim Acosta's. You know, if that he had somehow got physical with an intern, that just didn't happen. Yeah, but I'm saying your theory of the case, if you are right wing internet, is that. When the big bad White House correspondent wanted to get physical, he he went to the karate chop. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was his move. That was the yes. first thought. I am going yeah. to karate chop my way out of this problem. You know, when someone tries to take your microphone, there's only one thing to do: it's um, a karate chop. Yeah, uh, over on BuzzFeed, Charlie Warzel called the video portion of this a handy example of the coming video manipulation dystopia. Dot, 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 where the very threat of video manipulation can mm-hmm. lead to the blurring of reality. And it really yeah, th- it really does feel like a weird that we're getting into weird movie blow up, blow out territory there, right? Where it's just like, oh, here's a video that will propound whatever opinion this side wants to have. And the press secretary of the president of the United States is blowing it out there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's this sort of looming threat of of you know deep fakes or like you know whatever all this all these you know the 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 potential way that a video like this could be used uh, by you know uh, uh, less than principled um, White House like the one we have now at least in I mean especially in an incident like this um, 
And then, you know, and just in general, I mean, this is the one, it's one of our weird societal, I mean, odd societal fears right now. One of our greatest fears is this, is, is this thing that like you could put our face on anybody and, and anyone could believe we're doing anything. And, you know, I guess, yeah, there, there's this sort of dystopic view of the, uh, of the future. Um, I do think that Charlie Warzel piece is worth pausing on for one second, just because that was, I don't know if that was the first piece that, I mean, you know, big piece that came out after this, but the headline was, People are arguing about whether this Trump press conference video is doctored, uh, which is a perfect little you know BuzzFeed style headline um, to acknowledge that there is some dispute here. Uh, yeah, or I guess and then, it, could be, and then, it could be read as a. By the way, uh, people are saying you know reference to Trump too, but but yes, exactly, not. exactly. But 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 the, but it does sort of give you know the, the I mean. It, the the piece itself is really good. I think the headline kind of kind of gives too much credit to the not doctored camp because I don't think that camp has anything to stand on. And then the AP right after that comes out with or or also comes out with a headline that's expert colon a cost of video distributed by White House was doctored. Now that's great. They're saying that it was doctored, but I'm not quite sure why we're like outsourcing reality to like video experts. I think it was it's pretty it should be pretty self evident for and and any reporter should be able to say that. Um, although I guess, you know, you always, you always gotta, you always gotta make a phone call and get somebody on the record. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of those things like it's and I whenever I talk to, to pals who are at the New York times, they always say, when you write something for the ringer, wherever you write, um, you can just say something. We can't just say something. Right? Of course. It yeah. has to be true. The, the interesting thing about this is there are a hundred plus people in the room, many of whom went to Twitter immediately and said, Jim Acosta didn't manhandle anybody. So yeah. you can also just rely on them, right? You don't have mm-hmm. to say, "Well, was this video?" You're 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 sort of arguing about whether a video was doctored as opposed to lots and lots of very reliable eyewitnesses that were sitting next to Jim Acosta and who could just yes. tell you, right? Who were he, right there? He didn't do this. I saw it. Yeah, the do- the doctoring of the video. I feel like you know. I mean, it's a fun thing to talk about, but it's a little bit uh, more than a little bit of a red herring. The outrage um, seems to be more that Sanders tweeted it out than that it, it is. Was it is done. And you mentioned the other people in the room. Um, I, I tell me what you think because I, I I was a little bit taken aback by the fact that like every other Twitter journo, and this isn't this isn't everyone, but a lot of the people who responded to this, not just people in the room, but other journalists who were there, um, had to preface their tweets with "Say what you will about Jim Acosta." <laughs> really? uh, plenty, I mean, that's a sort of like to criticize Acosta about. Yeah, I mean, like Jim, Jim Acosta, you know, whatever he 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 might not have conducted himself perfectly, but you know, and then say, and then follow that with something that's just like so definitive that you that it, I mean, it's just a way. It's it seems just really unnecessary, uh, unnecessarily watering your argument down to do to have the Jim Acosta, you know, uh, preamble before everything. I mean, I get it, like that that's kind of whatever what reporters are saying to one another, and I guess you know, full disclosure is is a net positive, but. You know, you can keep that shit in slack, folks. You know, I mean, that's like you can you can you can kind of side eye your competition uh, and his tactics without like having without letting that water down your argument about a demonstrable <laughs> wrong committed by the White House. Well, I don't necessarily agree with Jim Acosta's tactics. <laughs> yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Um, I guess I feel that I would rather journalists be honest and yeah. go ahead and say that, even as a comma phrase at the beginning of the tweet, rather than just go straight to canned journalistic solidarity. Yes. Okay. Well, um, and I also let's talk about journalistic solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was pretty much. I mean, I was I was sort of on the uh, on the prowl for for villains, you know, people that were because it was basically about a hundred percent solidarity with Acosta, I think, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Ross of the Daily Caller, if we're if we're searching for somebody on the, you know, far side of the world politically and <laughs> in terms of everything, uh, from CNN says plenty to criticize Acosta about. There is that can phrase, but he did not place his hands on the intern. It's ridiculous for anyone to suggest he did. And after Trump joked about Jean Forte, the um, representative from Montana, body slamming Ben Jacobs, the White House can't bust out the fainting couch now. I was yeah. looking. I was looking for people who actually disagreed, and the only two I found were Diamond and Silk, who were on, uh, who were talking to <laughs> Lou Dobbs about it, and Howie Kurtz, 
who went down, uh, who went into both sides theater by saying it's extremely unusual for a White House to pull a full time reporter's credentials. Also unusual for a reporter to refuse to give up the mic after after asking several questions. You're right. You're right, Howie. Both of those things are unusual. So thank you for uh, <laughs> putting on the same thing. Yeah, but you mentioned – I'm going to interrupt real quick because you mentioned the feigning couch, and I just wanted to get in there. There is a certain there, – there, there is certainly a degree to, to which and, – and I don't – I know it's – you know, I'm not sure whether or not I'm allowed to, to question the integrity of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, but um, – I think you – but <laughs> why would but there's you not a cert- be? <laughs> um, and I'm sure, I'm sure – I'm sure that on some level she takes – uh, she has a very serious personal regard for the safety of young women. That said, when she trots out lines like, you know, regard for young women and, and accuses Jim Acosta of these clearly false things, it felt a lot like, I mean, it reminded me immediately of like the Mueller smear from last week, right? Where it was just like that, where the whole premise of that of that silly press conference was trying to take what what like blinded arch conservatives thought were liberal ideals and turning them around on on their enemy on on their their perceived liberal enemies yes and this is uh, just another example of that where it's like you know the uh, i don't know that it i don't know that there's any if i don't know that there that there's i don't know there's rough edges in the in their minds between the body slamming and the karate chop because this is just sort of like this is guerrilla warfare. We're just using your tactics against you, you know, and and that's and that makes it even more ridiculous. It is taking real issues that the media and liberal politicians have used and weaponizing them against mm-hmm. liberals, and often in this case, just making them up. Right? It's not. Yeah. It's not like oh, this is a real case of violence, and why isn't the left talking about it? Why isn't the media talking about it? It's just like we're just going to make up that you did that. Mm-hmm. Um. In terms of solidarity, it's interesting because we sort of moved after all the, you know, stuff about what Acosta did and what Sanders did had been adjudicated. We moved into the now what does the press do about this uh, portion of the event? Jason Schwartz in Politico uh, writes his piece and and uses a word which I which is kind of going around that this is a trap, you know, saying essentially this is a fight the White House wants to pick because all the eyes go away from Jeff Sessions and Trump losing the House and the coming subpoena fest from the House Judiciary Committee and Robert Mueller's final report, et cetera, et cetera, and go to this rather silly dispute. Uh, He quotes one White House reporter, this is Schwartz, saying, we don't want to give him ammunition. At the same time, we don't want to be a doormat and just lie down. Part Part of it is doing it in a way, meaning dealing with the issue that doesn't feed into the narrative that the media is the enemy and that's real hard to do. So essentially what that's saying is if we just all stand on our hind legs for Jim Acosta, we're just, all we're doing is, you know, adding more gasoline to the fire that Trump has just lit and that we have to figure out a way to do it. And and look, this is, I think, not just in the press relations part, but in the everything part the maybe singular quandary of the media covering Trump is, you know, how much when you when you go in on this stuff, are you just, you know, doing exactly what he wants you to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I have a really great answer for that, but um, I guess it's fun. It's it's interesting to me that people's minds immediately went to there was a whole thing of boycotting, right? Press briefings. Mm-hmm. Um Jay Rosen of Press Think re-upped a suggestion he had from earlier where he said that the reporters should, quote, suspend normal relations with the White House, uh, which could, you know, mean sending interns to briefings or ignoring certain parts of their presentation, things like that. I don't know. And it's hard because I don't think, uh, and Jack Schaefer pointed this out on Twitter, that it's really easy to tell someone else to wage a boycott. And just yeah. the way journalists work, they're not they're not a block. They are not a cartel. They're all competing with each other. So the people you hear urging on the boycott are not the White House correspondents who are in a knife fight to get news out of the White House. Sure. They are the people who are aren't doing that at all, who's you know, writing a column for somebody and going, you know, every you you guys should all just pull out. Well, you first, pal. Yeah. You know, you pull out because Underlying all this is there always is with journalism is a lot of careerism 
And yeah. I don't see I don't see anybody, you know, I don't see a mass boycott happening at all. Yeah, I mean, and I think that in so much as I mean, you 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 mentioned this earlier, but I, in so much as this was a deliberate tactic, I mean, it was incredibly effective, right? Did you? I mean, you there was that um, you had a tweet on that, that you passed earlier. Oh, the from did you say this already? The 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 lawfare blog, the lawfare no. tweet um, from uh, Quinta Quinta Jurassic said one, the Acosta thing is garbage, obviously, and two, cannot help but note. The media Twitter has switched almost entirely from Sessions to Acosta. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it it is um, – we are in a world where so much journalism happens online or so much uh, so much of, uh, you know, the journalist's existence is on Twitter uh, and, and, and other forms of social media, but especially Twitter. Um, and it's all so obsessive. It, there's a very, like th- – that's – it's very rare that 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 anyone on Twitter who is tweeting with any with any regularity is is tweeting about more than one thing at a time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's it's it, that's just the the world that we live in right now, and especially if you give a bunch of White House journalists this red meat of the subject of White House journalism, you know, I mean, everybody has a thousand tweets to 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 toss out on this, and I think that 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 it's, I th- I think that that what they should be covering or what they should be tweeting about or what we should, or, or taking the bait or whatever else um, is a really important conversation and a really important thing to think about because we'll see over and over again, we've seen throughout the Trump presidency and we'll continue to see throughout the Trump presidency that I feel like you have to, you have to put all of the just destruction of norms in a separate silo and then, and actually cover what's going on. Right. It's important to keep tabs on the on the upheaval of norms, but that can't be the story every day because then you never cover what's actually happening. Now, you can have meta podcasts like us that will say one talk, you know, say one thing out one side of their mouth and then on the other side of the mouth, we can talk about those norms. But I but I do think for reporters, that's an important distinction to make. I mean, to get specific on the the destruction of norms, it is wild. I mean, just wild that they revoked his press pass, right? I mean, this is a thing that literally, if you go through the history of of White House reporters, um, Nixon tried and I believe failed to get the post reporters banned from the White House. Um, who the 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 Bush White House? Uh, what what they they suspended Trudy Feldman for for uh, r- looking through a press aide's desk late at night, which I feel that seems like a pretty good of uh, like a reasonable offense. That was only ninety a ninety day suspension, and then sometimes LBJ, you just need a pen, you know, pen right. Yeah, and then and then LBJ uh, during LBJ's presidency, the Secret Service denied clearance to Robert Sherrill. Uh, who this is again, this is from the AP, had gotten into physical fights with government officials. Like this is the bar that is set right now, not not asking questions, you know? Um, yeah. But all that said, but all that said, it is when, when that's what takes over media Twitter and me and media full stop, then that does a disservice to um to, you know, the way that this to, to the way that we understand our government. Yeah, I mean, you could you could look at um, too if we wanted to again not to equivocate, but if we wanted to talk about Obama early on, Obama wanting to you know sort of downgrade Fox News, right, mm-hmm. which got a howls of protest from from CNN, from Jake Tapper, and other places at the time. Uh, you might you might put that in there, but certainly nothing, nothing, nothing certainly with this theater either, right. I mean, it was just never. It would. It was, Obama was not yelling uh, at you know whoever the Jim Angle, whoever the Fox correspondent was at the time in the White House, you know, uh, and that was what you know propelled him into this. I, I also think, just in terms of the question of how much do you cover this, how mad do you get? I was really struck by this piece that was in the New York Times by Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns, and it was one of these post-election pieces. Uh, they are ace congressional correspondents, uh, mm-hmm. America's cre- congressional correspondents. And they wrote, they had a, a piece kind of a what happened uh, in rural yeah, America piece. piece. Yeah, and they talked to Claire McCaskill, and one who got wiped out in her reelection bid uh, for the Senate in Missouri. And one thing mm-hmm. she talked about was going to rural areas and Fox is just on everywhere. And of course, newspapers have essentially been downgraded and or wiped out in those areas. So the mm-hmm. media has been nationalized 
And 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 these people, so people that might have relied on their local newspaper for news and and some national networks and stuff are now getting news direct from the Fox News pipeline. So in terms of the migrant caravan, which we talked about, they're just watching like all migrant caravan all the time. And mm-hmm. she's saying, I don't have a chance to break through with these people because that's all they're getting. So I, to to come back to Acosta, my argument would be if they're getting that kind of tonnage from Fox News about something, and I'm sure they're getting that kind of tonnage about Acosta on Fox News, by the way, right? I mean, how could, how could this not be on every show? Mm-hmm. The only real way to counterbalance that is tonnage on the other side, right? So, you know, saying this bad thing happened and this is why it's bad. You know, this thing happened. This Here is some correct reporting about the migrant caravan. Here mm-hmm. is stuff putting into context. I don't know the other way. It'd be great to say, let's just ignore it. But you've got a news network that is not going to ignore it. That's just mm-hmm. going to talk about it. And they've got a virtual monopoly on certain, you know, portions of the country or the populace or, or whatever you want to say. And it's like. I don't know what you do except just over it, not maybe not overcover, but cover it a lot on the other side. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say. What's the other answer? You know, if you just pretend that the Acosta thing didn't happen, the Trump isn't revoking press credentials. How how is how is it ever going to? How is any kind of something approaching truth ever going to get out? No, I, I have I have no idea. I don't I don't think there's a right answer to that. I think. Um. You know, I mean, I, I think that that there is, you know, there is strength in numbers. And I think that we've seen even in the past that, that you know, Fox um, has aligned with other, um, has aligned with other news outlets when it comes to protecting freedom of the press. Um, and it's, and so it's definitely not unthinkable that they would, you know, if there was, if that they would go along, you know, they would, they would come to the defense of CNN in this sort of situation. Um that said, I mean, it's not hard to imagine. I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be hard to fill up to fill up the briefing room with only you know pro Trump outlets in 2018. You know, and I'm and I'm sure Trump would have a better time giving his press conferences. Uh, and, and I don't know. Be, do you, do, by the way, do we actually think that? Well, don't, I think don't you we like, think I Trump think, likes to mix it up. Uh, I think it's a day to day thing. I mean, obviously, we're just doing just office chair psychology here. But you know, I think that, that I think yeah. But I th- I mean, I, cer- I I certainly think that. You can imagine him being sad when he found out that people weren't coming to his party anymore by choice, right? <laughs> but, but, I, but that, but that said, I mean, he does, he does feed, he does, you know, when he gets a question that he likes the tenor of, and and when he feels like he answers it well, that obviously lifts his spirits too. So, I mean, I, I think that, I think that he would, I think that, you know, that would go okay. But he, but, but certainly he would still be looking for a fight and some. He would looking, look, be looking for some outlet to to mix it up. Um, and he's looking for a lot of outlets these days. He's he's talked to the press many times. So. If we stipulate that Acosta has been wronged here and put aside just for a second everything that we just talked about, Acosta, Trump, wrong. Acosta, right. Okay? Sure. Uh-huh. Um, what do we think of Jim Acosta? Uh, oh, God. This is that um, first part of the tweet you were talking about before the comma. First part of the tweet. Second part of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, there's a little. I mean, it's it's clear that he's it's clear that he's, um, you know, motivated. I, I don't I don't know if he's like you know like searching for personal glory, but it, but he certainly feels um, motivated by some unique sense of purpose. Uh, and, or, and, and the desire to, if not make the story about him, then the, the feeling that, that, you know, he's, he's, he, he, he can only, he can pursue it in the way that he's, that he's doing it or, or some, maybe it is just a particular sense of mission to really get the questions asked, um, that, that need to be asked. Although I, I, you know, I gotta say him, I mean, he just had a series of questions and, and, and there, I guess they were follow-ups. It was kind of hard to follow his line of questioning, m- m- not his fault. He was off mic for a lot of it. And there was a whole lot of other madness going on in the room. Um, but you know, I mean, there, it, it, it's, it, 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 you think about that and you think about that kind of viral video that that came around last week of that, of that, what was it? A, was it a college newspaper reporter who was questioning Steve represent, representative Steve King and mm-hmm. asking him whether or not he was a white, he was a, he, he identified as a white nationalist. 
And there's there's like such a power to just sitting there and asking the same question over and over again as the person you're you're you know asking the question to just starts just loses his mind. And that wasn't and that's not that that's uh, Jim Acosta's line of questioning certainly didn't have that level of, you know, quiet resolve and and, and effectiveness. So I don't know. I mean, uh, you hear everybody says I mean, all of these tweets, not none, none of them, I'm sure, are are deliberately misleading. I mean, the perception of him is that he's um, kind of in it for his own personal glory and or at least to some degree. And I, and I think. On the one hand, there's probably some truth to that. And on the other hand, you know, there's a, a big pot kettle situation. Nobody that's out there tweeting and, and pursuing this sort of on, especially on camera careers, but even byline careers isn't out for some sense of, you know, for some sort of personal glory. That's that's how the world works. No. And that's like when Costa is like the perfect example of I often think this with journalists, what journalists are saying about another journalist on Twitter versus what they would say after two beers in a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certain journalists have like the widest range. Some of our <laughs> lo- some of our long form stars. Uh, yet another great, yet another <laughs> great feature by blah blah blah. And then if you actually ask the journalists uh, off Twitter what they think, uh, you know, then they just bury the piece and bury the writer <laughs> and everything. They just blow hard. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. Acosta's like probably has the biggest range of that. Um, here's what I'd say: it's interesting about him. If I told you. Just in a vacuum, there is this reporter, this White House correspondent who is extremely adversarial with President Donald Trump, yelling questions at him, holding to account, et cetera. Where does this correspondent work? You might say MSNBC, right? That's that's where it's going to be, you know, because of the political character of the network. That's where it's going to be most adversarial with Trump. It's actually CNN, right? And to me, he is totally perfect with CNN circa 2018 which is we can't really – we are still trying mightily not to be ideologically left or ideologically right. Uh-huh. We are really – we are desperately trying to stay, which is why we've hired uh, you know, Jeffrey Lord and all these loser Trump pundits and, and why we just desperately tried to tack this course through the center even as the president attacks us, right? So how mm-hmm. do we solve this problem that we can't be left or we can't be right? We are going to be noisy truth seekers. <laughs> mm-hmm. We are going to be Jim Acosta yelling questions at the president. We are going to be Chris Cuomo carrying on in prime time. I'm damn it. I'm I'm here for the truth. I, I want to yeah. hear. I want to hear this, and I want to get some answers. We yeah. are going to be Jake Tapper. You know, sitting there with that with that Jake Tapper face frown that you and I were <laughs> laughing at an email the other day. We did. Jake Tapper face really needs to be the new Eli Manning face. Just yes, that kind of just, you know, kind of that, that skepticism and just anger with the whole damn system. <laughs> That's CNN right now. And he is perfect for that aesthetic milieu, whatever you want to call it. Like that he is CNN to me, which is just, yeah. which just has this problem and he is helping them solve it. I think they have a fine line to walk because anger at the system, I think, is, you know, is, is can be poignant. Uh, but as we've discussed before, um, you know, anger and defensive journalistic ideals, I don't think has, you know, I don't think carries much water, right? I mean, I don't, or I, that, that certainly doesn't seduce anybody viewing it. It just, it's just all, um, as, as much as, as much as, you know, you and I might believe in it and support and everyone else who does, it just, it, it, it that's, it, it just comes across as really sort of empty and whining at times. And like you were saying, to be that sort of like ideological without a, and uh, without without like a popular ideology to back it up is it's just noise, right? Mm-hmm. And and may, and maybe that's what what you know the point you were trying to make. It's scenery chewing, right? It's it's and 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 looks. I I seen sometimes scenery chewing is good. This is cable news, right? I mean, let's, let's mm-hmm. we don't have to we don't have to pretend you know this is this is uh, McNeil Lair or something like that. But I it just to me to me CNN right now is kind of like on a good day is scenery chewing in pursuit of truth. And there's a lot of that on the network. I like a lot of mm-hmm. the network. On a bad yeah. day, it's scenery chewing in pursuit of scenery chewing. That's what it yeah. is. Let's let's also listen to the question for you, Michelle Alcinder. This was a big part of this. Too. Yes. She is a reporter with the PBS NewsHour. Uh, she's a veteran of the New York Times Washington Bureau and was a character in the doc The Fourth Estate. Uh, she noticed that a man named Patrick Casey, who is executive director of the alt-right affiliated group Identity Europa, had mm-hmm. appeared at the White House – on Wednesday, 
So Alcindor asked Trump about the consequences of calling himself a nationalist. Here's that. Um, On the campaign trail, you called yourself a nationalist. Some people saw that as emboldening white nationalists. Now people are also saying that the president. That's such a racist question. There are some people that say that now the Republican Party is seen as supporting white nationalists because of your rhetoric. What do you make of that? I don't believe it. I just, well, I don't know. Why do I have my highest poll numbers ever with African Americans? Why do I have among the highest poll numbers with African Americans? I mean, why do I have my highest poll numbers? That's such a racist question. Honestly? I mean, I know you have it written down and you're going to tell me. Let me tell you, it's a racist question. And Mr. Uh, President, I, I love ask- You know what the word is? I love our country. I do. You, call, you have nationalists, you have globalists. I also love the world. And I don't mind helping the world, but we have to straighten out our country first. We have a lot of problems. And Ms. Excuse me. But to say that, what you said, is so insulting to me. It's a very terrible thing that you said. And Mr. Okay, President, please, Mr. President, people have t- you, you talked ahead. about you talked Excuse about me. middle you talked about middle class tax cuts on the campaign trail. How will you get Democrats to support that policy? You have to ask that? them. Well, hey, what's, what's your plan don't for excuse working me. with Democrats you know how, on a middle class is? tax plan? You know what my plan is? I'll ask them. And if they say yes, I'm all for it. And if they say no, there's nothing you can do because you need their votes. Go ahead. Pretty much we were what we were talking about earlier, isn't it, David? Mm-hmm. It's Racism is a problem in the world, <laughs> one that Trump himself cares very little about. Uh, so I'm going to point at a reporter and say, you are a racist. <laughs> no, yeah. you, you are just like, I mean, it's pretty much it's pretty much the same playbook as saying that Jim Acosta is manhandling a woman. Uh, I mean, it's not I mean, it's not too far off, uh, weirdly, from from the Megyn Kelly conversation that we had. Um, and just in the, the just the lack of self-awareness or of awareness full stop that that allows uh, one to question the public wearing of blackface is the same that that allows one to indulge in the concept of reverse racism, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, the people traffic in that a lot on the same quarters of the Internet where people are saying, like, what's the big like, why can't I say the N word? What's the big deal? You know, and and it's just these. Bad. It's just a bad faith sort of sort of logic that leads anyone into that into that line of argument. You know, it's not a racist question, and it certainly just doesn't make any sense on its face for Trump to be um, accusing a an African American r- journalist asking a totally legitimate question of of racism. I mean, it's just it's it's. Uh, I, I if it were if it were deliberate, I think it would actually be better. I think it's just idiotic yeah it's it's it doesn't make any sense and it is also insulting on its face should we should we cover a few other amazing bits from the press conference before we move on do we we have to hear trump and little john right that has to be a thing yes please jimbo can we roll the clip where trump is apparently unfamiliar with someone who has appeared on the apprentice Michael Cohen recently said you called black voters stupid. That's false. Omarosa has accused you of using the N-word. And the rapper, the rapper Little John has said you called him Uncle Tom. What's your response? I, I don't know who Little John is. I don't, I really he was don't. on The Apprentice. I don't know. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Have you ever made racist know. remarks? No, no, I would never do that. And I don't use racist and, remarks. And you know what? If I did, you people have, you would have known about it. I've been hearing their <laughs> Oh, my gosh. What, what was amazing to me is, look at this up. Lil John was on The Apprentice twice. Yeah, he had two seasons. Well, I will say in Trump's defense, say record this or use this for when you do the audio mashups of me saying <laughs> fake things. Um, I will say in Trump's defense that the reporter said Little John right. in a way that really did not. It made it sound like a Rob, the, a Robin Hood character, and not <laughs> the rapper in question. Somebody Robin Hood fought on a log with two yeah. uh, two sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but yes, it is kind of it is kind of yeah the the yeah, the OIC was sort of when when he when he did have some you know realization that he should have realization uh, that was that was the, the highlight for me. May I share with you, David, some of the other contestants who appeared on season eleven of The Apprentice? Yes, please do. Um, number one, John Rich of Garbage Country Duo Big and Rich. <laughs> Oh, God. One man's garbage is another man. Oh, go ahead. Jose Canseco and oh, Marley man. Matlin. So <laughs> what a what a collection of contestants that was. Oh, my gosh. We did not appreciate I, at the at the time because we weren't watching it. Uh, but we did not appreciate how truly 
strange uh, <laughs> it's got there at the end. Minor personal story. I, there was one time when I was working uh, back in book, the book publishing world in New York. I was, I was right by the, um, the Flatiron building and I was just coming back from lunch and that sort of just like midday days. I had no, I wasn't really paying attention to anything, probably listening to music on my phone or my whatever thing I was listening to at the time. And I looked up and I was just like, holy shit, that's Bill Goldberg. And as a wrestling fan, this is from like half a block away, I was like, whoa, Bill Goldberg is right outside my office. And I thought that was really cool. And then as I'm like getting my phone to text somebody about it, I look over and I'm just like, wait a second, that's Brett Michaels, lead singer of Poison. And I was just like, what? Do they know each other? <laughs> and then I was, and then I just kept, you keep looking around. It was just like, my God, that's Daryl Strawberry. That's, that's Sinbad. I know I saw Sinbad out there. And, I was, and you're just like, is it possible that these people are friends? I don't understand what's happening. And then, of course, it turned out they were just filming like a remote shoot for The Celebrity Apprentice. Um, <laughs> but I, and Donald Trump was not present. But it was just all these like minor celebrities out like trying to get people off the street to come into their shop or something. And I was just like, this is the weirdest moment of my entire life. You thought they were all just going to grab a sandwich at Pret-a-Manger together or something <laughs> like that? Anyway? Yeah. Yeah, what's the really great deli that's right there? They probably were they were they were probably all getting some like some some you know delicious matzo ball soup. Yeah, just a nice big sandwich. Yeah. A couple other notes, David, from the post-election media world. Um Tucker Carlson's house has been surrounded uh -huh. uh, by yeah. protesters who were this was on Thursday, yesterday, uh, who were chanting, Tucker Carlson, we will fight. We know where you sleep at night. Um Carlson's wife was at home. I'm quoting from the excellent Politico uh, media newsletter. Carlson said his wife, who was at home, locked herself in the pantry and called 911. Uh, Carlson was on vacation from his Fox show, but he called in to his show Thursday night to talk about the protesters, and this is what he said. And I guess I would, I would say this. I mean, uh, I, I've characterized the Antifa people and people like them as protesters, but they're not. I mean, they weren't protesting anything. The irony is that, you know, this is the one show that regularly invites people like that on I know. to to say what they think. And if you have a point of view that we disagree with, we, you know, I'll debate you, but I still want to hear it because I think people should hear it. And so, but they, they weren't trying to change my mind or advocate for a position. They were threatening my family to get me to stop talking. We can go ahead and say that... This story aside, Tucker Carlson, I do not think, wants to hear the views of his adversaries so much as use Absolutely his adversaries not. as uh, punching bags in the Trump-Jim Acosta sense. But obviously, no, neither one of us thinks that people should go surround Tucker Carlson's house at night. No. It is a little rich, though, for Tucker Carlson. Wasn't Tucker Carlson the one saying that gypsies were invading the United States? Yeah. Uh, and has participated in all these you know, sort of Carney Act immigration scares and all this stuff, who is whipping people into a frenzy on a nightly basis on Fox to get mad. I mean, you know, again, like you, you don't I, I don't want to come anywhere near saying, please go surround Tucker Carlson's house because that's not a good idea. But he is he is whipping people into a frenzy. Right. And and bad things happen when you whip people into a frenzy. So if anything, I just I would just like to point that out as two 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 news stories. Don't don't go surround Tucker Carlson's house, but also Tucker Carlson, don't do this on a nightly basis. Yeah, I mean, someone was just circulating a video of of short. I mean, just from what last week, the week before of uh, of Tucker laughing um, at uh, the prospect of George Soros receiving a mail bomb. Right. I mean, just I mean, and that and that, I guess that's probably a harsh way to, to read that that sequence. But but, you know, there there's certainly a uh, he, he's he is he's definitely made, you know, argued that you sort of put yourself in the public eye and you deserve some of the clapback that you get that argument in the past. That said, you're absolutely right. I mean, listen, he doesn't deserve uh, if, if the reports that we've heard and most of them have come from him are, are true. You know, he, he no, no one deserves that sort of treatment. And if the issue for you is is. Tucker Carlson's hypocrisy and and that of the sort that I was alluding earlier, I mean, at the end of the day, that's sort of a silly charge because, you know, I mean, on, we're all hypocrites, but Tucker Carlson, above all else, he's paid lots and lots of money to be a professional hypocrite. So let's not act like we're, let's not clutch our pearls over 
uh, his his uh, you know the, him changing his tune because the because you know he's now the target. Also cribbing here from the Politico media newsletter again, uh, and in a sadly related story, an Arkansas man was arrested Wednesday, accused of making more than forty threatening calls to CNN from October. 31st through November 2nd, so it was a short period of time, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette reports the calls directed at CNN anchor Don Lemon were mm-hmm. racist and violently threatening. Uh, so this is happening to lots of people on cable news. Also, please do not do that uh, if it needs to be said. Nate Silver, David, and Brett Stevens. Talk about Clash of the Titans. You thought Beto and Ted Cruz was a big deal. Sheesh, yeah. Um, I feel we have this moment after every election where we where we then have it is always uh, any election in America is really a referendum on Nate Silver at the end of the day. The first mm-hmm. one, the one and the usual one we get to was was Nate Silver right, which is a very ham handed way of saying was his were the polls right and was his particular particular methodology of forecasting right. Uh, the answer to that was yes. Once again, this year, then you had Brett Stevens come along and essentially what he was arguing was were the Democratic gains on Tuesday a wave or not? Uh, He wrote a whole column about it. And then Nate Silver came off the top rope on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) uh, a couple of times and said, sort of enjoying thinking about Brett Stevens knowing deep down how dumb his hot take was and cringing a little bit every time Dems win an additional House seat. We're now projecting they'll finish with plus 37 or so. Um, Stevens's column after the election was called the midterm results are a warning to the Democrats. Stop manning imaginary barricades and start building real bridges to the other America. <laughs> it's such a portentous subheadline there. This was one of those interesting stories because the whole wave thing, I mean, again, I don't think you and I need to debate the wave part of it, but just that split decision of the Senate and the House. Forget that the fact that Democrats had picked up lots and lots of uh, state house seats, governorships, things like that. As soon as that split decision was apparent on election night, it's like, oh boy, right? People are going to be scrambling to both sides of this. And they are going to look at this election result and say whatever they already wanted to say about American politics, uh-huh. which in Brett Stevens's case is the Democrats are doing it all wrong, uh, even though I oppose Trump. And from another point of view, might be the Democrats did great and had a great night. What did you make of this whole strange argument? <laughs> Kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. Um, Can I use that once per podcast? Yes, absolutely. No, I think it's. A, I mean, I think it's. An, it's. It's. Um, listen, Brett Stevens had the the good and bad fortune of becoming, you know, conservative New York Times pundit in current year. Right. I mean, this is this is mostly uh, good fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's great for it's great. I mean, it's a great job. It's it's a it's a wonderful platform. And it's, you know, um, it's a little bit rich for him to be accusing other people of trolling. Uh, but uh, but he's, you know, part of he, he will not be the first New York Times conservative pundit to um, to come up with or to 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 imagine his you know his headline before he fills out the rest of the column right i mean this is the 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 goal in a piece like this is to argue an ideal and to and to back it up with cherry picked facts and and i think that um you know part of what you have to do now that maybe the you know david brooks didn't have to do in his heyday was actually like defend yourself on twitter when people point out that you're cherry picking and or or you know seeing things through red colored lenses you know so mm-hmm. i mean it's it's it but it the, but there is this there is i mean it is sort of wonderful and also just kind of like i want to bang my head against the wall to have to to witness this conversation because these these are two people who don't speak the same language and don't have any interest in speaking the same language well i i mean i i think you're i, I like your the point you made before which is just like the op-ed is mm-hmm. not uh, the op-ed as it used to be done well, when you and I were starting out in this business is just really not great, uh, not a great vehicle in Twitter world mm-hmm. because, you know, so many of those, there are plenty of good ones uh, and plenty of well-written ones, but a lot of them are just kind of like 
800 fairly dishonest words and or just like just like a really dumb trolley kind of take and you just throw that out to Twitter and it just gets dismembered. And in this case, you know, Nate's just like you are just you are just willfully distorting these numbers. Yeah. And you know, this is this is not even really a try and again, this is like I said, this is what he already thought anyway. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't like I looked at the number I you know, I looked at the election results and this is how I read it. It was I don't think Democrats are building bridges to the American people. And here's another version of that argument. It just feels like that's that was what he was going to write anyway. There's what election result would he have not written that answer to? Um, another. No, no, no. If they if there had been a, a the, the proverbial blue wave, it would have been the same piece, but it would have been the Democrats are, are endangering their future by by running too far to the left and just drumming up their most ardent supporters or something. You yeah, know? They would they're have, empowering and, and they, Trump accidentally. Right. That could have been yeah. the take something like that. But you, but seventy five percent of the article could have been the same. You know, I mean, it's or of the op ed. Sorry, it could have been the same. I mean, it's it's whatever. Speaking of victims of the age of Twitter, how about Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker, uh, whose who's Twitter account I I sort of was uh, consuming it through Stephen Roderick's retweets when he was mm-hmm. finding stuff that uh, Whitaker had tweeted about, like Tim Tebow. And I'll forget the Mueller investigation, but also Tim Tebow and other. He had lots of hot, he had lots of hot takes. He becomes acting attorney general. All of a sudden, his Twitter and cable news resume uh, gets picked over. He wound up blocking his Twitter account. This is also like this. I feel an issue we've now seen. You know, it's like the it's the old millennial thing, right? Somebody, it's the the milkshake duck thing, right? Somebody comes up and they go back and like, ugh. It's rarely reaches the level of acting attorney general of the United States. Well, that's yes, that is correct. Um, I mean, I think part of the problem is how how uh, and this is a problem on a couple different levels but how brief his or how short his relative journey was from um you know literal nobody to acting attorney general uh with a couple of stops off at like corrupt companies and and you know on-screen pundit jobs in between um and that you can understand how somebody maybe with that sort of you know, quick rise didn't clean up their their social media footprint before <laughs> before they got there. Um, but I think you know that says a lot about uh, the selection process for putting him in that position. Um, but it, it was it was an absolute joy to watch. Um, you know, the various cable networks um, actually like reporting in real time about someone's about about reverse searching someone's Twitter timeline. I mean, it was and, and even just looking <laughs> just looking through the CNN records. I mean, the, 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 the various appearances that he'd made over the years, the speeches that he's given, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was really and part of it was part of it was goosed by by this incredible sense of urgency that there might be another shoe to drop that, you know, that, that this is actually the real purpose and the real uh, power of journalism would be to um, air the truth about a person. If there's, if, if that person is problematic before they can assume power, before they can do something damaging, whatever, whatever you, you see the, you know, the situation to be. And yeah, I mean, you just flipped on CNN or MSNBC and they were just like, Oh wait, well, you know, our producer just watched another old video. He's going to come on the screen now to describe it, you know? And, and, um, it was it was sort of halting in in, in the sort of resonance of every uh, every little tweet, every little tidbit that came out. It's it's like one of the characteristics of the Trump administration is they're just really bad at planning and preparing for anything uh-huh. and rolling something out in the way that we are used to administrations kind of slickly rolling out new appointees. Which, by the way, I am all for. You know, I'd rather know the truth than the kind of laundered, you know, ready for primetime version. In mm-hmm. this case, the one television appearance that that came up again and again was uh, when Whitaker said, "I could see a scenario where Jeff Sessions is replaced with a recess appointment, and that it, and that the Attorney General doesn't fire Bob Mueller, but he just reduces his budget <laughs> to so low that his investigation grinds to almost a halt." Yeah. <laughs> so that was that sort of seemed to give the game away a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're in the kind of disputed territory where uh, the- Trump Trump is now insisting. I, I saw in his in his little press avail this morning uh, where he said that um, that he was like, what, should I just disqualify everybody that appears on TV from public office? And the, the answer, I mean, and, and I guess his implication was, you know, there are there are lots of young politicians that will pop up on whatever channel and, and that person will eventually run for higher office or something like that. And that doesn't disqualify them, but it's like, no, but you expect them to actually say what they mean. And if you do say what you mean, 
uh, and it becomes problematic later on, then that that's the issue. No one's disqualified from because they were on TV. Um, you're potentially disqualified because I mean, listen, if I was like, you know how I would kill somebody if I got a chance, I would uh, I, w- I would I would get a whole bunch of Ambien. And uh, and then once I like melted that into your tea, I would strangle you with a pillowcase. If, if if you heard me say that, and then you walked into the room, and I had a giant handful of Ambien, you would be justified in being freaked out, right? I mean, that's like it's it's okay to draw conclusions that things that people say are things that they mean, you know. I mean, it's it's just sort of it just sort of beggars belief to think otherwise. The last note I had on here uh, for us to talk about, and it, I don't know if there's really anything other than just a noted is that the migrant caravan, which was the single most important issue in American life uh, the week before the election, to hear it from Donald Trump and his allies, has basically vanished off the radar after the election. Uh, We no longer, you know, this is the greatest threat imaginable to the U.S. and its borders to quote unquote security, and now it's gone. Um, I'll also add this tweet from Jim Shuto of CNN Day after the election, the Pentagon announced, and Pentagon, of course, sent troops to the border as part of this Mm -hmm. uh, grave to combat this grave problem. Pentagon announces no longer calling U.S. military mission on southern border Operation Faithful Patriot, now calling it just border support, lowercase. No reason given for the change. (laughs) So, R.I.P. Operation Faithful Patriot. We hardly knew you. Which was uh, a ridiculous title to begin with. Go ahead. it It was dumb, and it was clearly false at the time. And, uh, you know, it's it was uh, it feels sort of obligatory to say, like, kudos to Shepard Smith for being the one voice on his network to actually say out loud. There's, you know, these this this caravan, if it even gets here is months away and there's nothing to be afraid of. Um, But like, as you said, if half of the country is just watching Fox News on repeat, then I'm not sure. um, I mean, this was a real issue. I mean, it's not Trump didn't just make it a real issue. Fox made it into a real issue. And this became a national story. I guess, you know, this is no defense of Donald Trump, but it does seem that he, you know, really believes in um, the, the ills of immigration from the southern from the south right i mean that's it's a thing that he that he holds dear and and i don't think i don't think the racism is any particular put on i think trumping it up no pun intended for the midterm elections was a deliberate political calculation but you know i mean he's talking now about about getting rid of birthright citizenship and and i mean this is he spoke about it this morning and um and it's all part and parcel of the same thing. But yeah, it was it was I, I sort will, of a I will grant him that race and immigration has been a consistent theme throughout his political career. Right? Whether he actually cares about it, I don't know, you know, like in a in a I'm worried for the United States kind of way, I don't mm-hmm. know, but yes, those are things he has brought up uh since his birther days. I guess it, well, I, he does care about the United States. That's at least that's what he said to uh, <laughs> to, to Amy Shaw Sender. He, yeah. he was like, "I'm not a white nationalist. I just love my country. Uh, I'm a nationalist." But um, but yeah, it, that was a he gave quite a performance today too. I know we're not going to have a lot of time to talk about it, but 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 he but he did. Uh, he he's he's been firing on all cylinders, getting in front of the the press and just going. He, I mean, he is like I said, again. It's it seems so funny to talk about, and and, and I don't want to sound like Sarah Sanders here, but we're talking about you know, cutting out reporters after the president of the United States gave a 90 minute news conference in which yeah. he was willing to t- entertain almost Yamiche Alexander, Alexander, excuse me, aside, almost any question, no matter how absurd from the media or how absurd or small or picayune. I mean, we, we live in very strange times. The only other thing I want to clean up, David, is we talked about the inevitable final act of Beto O'Rourke long form uh, that's going to happen. Here mm-hmm. in, in, in immediately, I, I, you know, it's going to be in Rolling Stone. It's going to be in the Atlantic. Uh, it's going to involve like, you know, this crushing defeat. And what is Beto's uh, next move potentially on a national stage? I said uh, as a possible headline, it gets Beto uh, mm-hmm. in an earlier podcast. I just want to also throw out. Were we leaving Mo Beto Blues on the table? <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. That's great. I'm glad <laughs> that you brought that up. Always good to have a Spike Lee reference uh, in there. I love those kind of headlines. We here at the Press Box may not be back next week. Uh, we're going to see if we can make some things work. Uh, but that, we have plenty of things to talk about, David, before the end of the year. I want to talk to you about Michelle Obama's book, memoir, 
yeah. and Stadium Tour, uh, mm-hmm. which comes out next week. Uh, I think we owe the people a wrap-up on the first season of the rejiggered Monday Night Football booth before the end of the year. Oh, you and I have gosh. been kicking around some ideas for our year-end look at the media podcast, which is uh, which could be really, really fun. You can find updates to those things and many more on our on our Twitter account. Do you know we have a Twitter account? At the Press Box Pod. We're kind of like a food truck. We just tweet when we show up. You know, like we're, hey, hey guys, <laughs> we're going to be around Friday. Everybody come yeah. out. So check get your f- tweets. Check there for updates uh, about the next pod. And we'll see you before Thanksgiving anyway. Our research is provided by Chris Almeida. Our ace producer uh, is Jim Cunningham who can tell you all about New York Radio circa 1995. All you want to know right before the pod starts. I'm Brian Curtis. He's David Shoemaker. David, back soon with more hot takes about the media. David, should we leave the final word to Donald Trump from this morning Friday responding to a reporter when asked if the video that uh, Sarah Sanders shared was doctored? Here we go. Take it away, Mr. President. Nobody manipulated it. Give me a break. See, that's just dishonest reporting. All that is is a close-up. See, that's just that is just dishonest reporting. I watched that. I heard that last night. They made it close up. They showed it close up. And he was not nice to that young woman. I don't hold him for that. Because it wasn't overly, you know, horrible. But it was, but all that was when you say doctor, you're a dishonest guy. Because it wasn't doctored. They gave a close-up view. That's not doctoring. You know how I would kill somebody if I got a chance? I would, uh, I, w- I would, I would get a whole bunch of Ambien, and uh, and then once I like melted that into your tea, I would strangle you with a pillowcase. That's enough. You guys should all just pull out. Well, yeah. You first, pal. That's yeah. enough. You know. Yeah. You pull out because. Yeah. That's enough. This is good, by the way, David. That's enough. Yeah, I really, I thought it was great. This wasn't one of our shitty ones. This was a good one. We were due. We were due yeah, for we a good were, one. <laughs> we had two good ones this week. The election was good too. All right, see ya. Later, buddy. That's enough.